a new series of messages that I've entitled The Good Life. Now, as I was going into this message and had some things in my heart uh, that I would teach, that I would talk about, uh, it, it, was a, it was something that I had taught six years ago. And, uh, and I thought, you know what, it seems like I'm supposed to talk about that again and teach along those lines. And so I began, and just so you know where we're going, there's been some basic truths that, are, that were there in that series six years ago. So how many of you remember that series? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and, uh, but what I found is, uh, is as I look into this, and I will always do this if it's something that I've taught in, in a previous, at a previous time, is with a, a fresh look and fresh revelation, so far, it's a totally different series. <laughs> I mean, but there, there's some main principles I believe the Lord wants us to get across, but He's just given me more revelation and more insight and more understanding, and, uh, and praise God. I'm thankful for it myself because I'm growing. I haven't arrived. You know, I've left, but <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet, and I'm growing personally, and uh, I believe all of us have some room to grow. What do you say? And some things to experience in God. Let's read our text, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. Now, if that doesn't sound good to you, um, you're not breathing. <laughs> Something. Something going on. Because how can you ask for more than fullness of joy and pleasure forever? But this is not a worldly pleasure. It's not, it's not induced by some, uh, by some type of intoxicant or some kind of drug or something like that. No, this is a heavenly pleasure. This is a godly joy. It has no regrets. It has no side effects. Amen. It's just the very essence of who God is. He is a happy God. Amen. He is full of joy, full of pleasure, and, and he, he wants us to experience life on that same level. He wants us to experience full joy and pleasure every single day. That's the way God is. That's the way it's going to be for eternity. And I think probably most of us don't have any kind of quibble with that. We think, yeah, heaven, whoo. It's going to be great, other than those, you know, those of us who have moved beyond the vision of playing a harp on a cloud, right? <laughs> and we've recognized that we don't understand the full scope of it. It's going to be nice, right? It's going to be good. But th the thing is, over and over in Scripture, we read that the things that God reveals to us about Himself, His presence, and even a place called heaven are not simply reserved and strictly reserved for that time and for that place, but they are to be experienced here and now. All right, it is heaven on earth. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And so God's presence then being everywhere and being around us to, and us experiencing him to the degree that we have knowledge of him and revelation of this presence, uh, then we enter into this life of joy, this life of pleasure. And I know sometimes when you speak that way, uh, individuals who have gone through some really difficult things in life and experienced some hardship and loss and, and pain and everything, sometimes they might want to disconnect 
from this message and think, well, that's not real life and you don't know what I've gone through. But, but, but the reality is, is the very reason I'm talking about it, talking about it is for those individuals. I mean, it's for all of us, but if you've gone some, through something really difficult and hard, you need to hear this more than anybody. Not because it's unattainable or unreachable or not realistic for your life, but because there is the potential of a God-infused existence that transcends all the junk and all the problems that you've gone through, whether they're self-inflicted or they've come upon you through no choice of your own. Whatever, however you would describe this, I'm telling you, God's presence is greater than it. He, the joy and, and reality of who He is is more powerful than any negative experience. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. And literally, the glory of God can rest upon a person even, even as Stephen was being stoned. And his eyes were open to see the glory of God. And he, his face shone like an angel in the midst of a very difficult situation. The glory of God shines stronger. Amen. Doesn't the Bible even tell us that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. There's something about God. He is up to the task, and He will exceed the need. Whatever it is that a person needs in life, His God's power is far greater and way more sufficient than even necessary. Amen? So let's look at Him. Think about Him this way. Now, now, now consider this. If, if God's presence is joy and pleasure as a result of His very nature being that of joy and pleasure, then uh, any person who is close to him or lives in his presence, they also then experience joy and pleasure that is of God. And because that is a most desirable condition, most desirable experience for any human being, and to find out that all of a person's needs are met, their desires are satisfied, they are completely and fully content in that place, it would be of utmost importance then if you were the devil to keep people out of that place. It would be full-time assignments, if you will, uh, it would be um, the main game plan, I guess, in order to destroy God's people is you would want to keep people away from the all-satisfying one. You would want to keep people as far away as possible from this joy and pleasure. Why? Because if they experience that, then the lies the temptations to go to the world to find our satisfaction will completely fall flat. And so consider this. Um, and, you know, don't become devil conscious, but the re there's a reality of knowing that, that we have an enemy. Uh, the devil's been in God's presence and he left. Bad choice. He knows, what it's, he knows what it's like there, knows how good it is, uh, and he knows that if you and I get a taste of that, we're going to start seeing things more clearly than we ever have before. And so he has been then at work 
for thousands of years to influence people so that they will not experience that. Now, to some degree, uh, he'll tell people, you don't want to. He'll lie. He'll keep the knowledge away as much as he can. He can't completely. But he works through religious organizations. He works through systems and, and governments and, and everything to try to keep people out of God's presence. Now, you may not have, not, may not have ever looked at like it like that. But once you taste, you see that the Lord is good. Once you get, you, you get a, a sampling of this, you're, you're toast, right? As far as this world is concerned, man, no thanks. I'm going with the Lord, right? So think about it. Then he's been working for thousands of years, ever since the fall, to try to keep people from entering in. We have record of individuals who busted through, though who broke through the, the norms of defeated, depressed, uh, ill-content lifestyles. And they're given to us as examples so we can see, if they did it, I can do it. We have examples of people like Enoch who, who, who walked with God and he got so much caught up in the glory of God that one day he was just gone. Just gone. And, uh, and we know he had this testimony that he pleased God. So we know he was a faith guy, right? But we, but we have then systems in place that tell people, uh, one, it's not really that good. People don't know how happy God is. They don't know how pleasurable his presence is. And because of the absence of that knowledge or even hope that it could be possible, they don't pursue it. They settle they settle for mediocrity. They settle for a life that, well, it's okay. It's not bad. I mean, someday we'll get to heaven and I can hold on and just make it. They settle for, for, for this. But then even if they hear words and they hear of someone else's uh, experience in God, well, usually somehow they become disqualified for it. The lie will come, well, yeah, that's available, but not for you. And for some reason, uh, maybe it's just those who have a special gift. Those who are especially called with a certain calling and anointing. They can enter in, but you can't. Now that's a lie. That's a lie. Hmm. Uh, sometimes, well, you know, it's just those who are really, really super spiritual. They can enter in. And of course, you're not. So don't even try. Or don't consider that you might have that level of relationship or that level of experience with God. See, all these things do, they serve to deflate our expectation, our hope of having a wonderful experience with God continually. You can. Now, let me back up. You ought to. It's worth it. Let me go to the second one now. You can. It's available because of Jesus and His finished work. You don't have to be saved for 20 years before you can, you can. You don't have to hit all the classes before you can experience God's joy and pleasure. Huh? You can have it right now. Hmm. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 26 with me. 
And so here's the thing. Like I said, the enemy has been at work. I mean, if you know uh, some of history and some of church history, you know there was a time when uh, people would go to church and the, the Bible wasn't even written in their language. People didn't understand it. I mean, it's just the enemy at work. There are individuals back in Bible days uh, that had experiences with God that we don't even have record of. Why? Those things were, were destroyed. Records were destroyed. Books were kept. Were, were, there was more written than what we have. Okay? And uh, now don't go in a weird place with that. And They didn't come back on some gold plates. And then t- we're taken back to heaven. <laughs> Everything God, sa- God says agrees with other things that He says. Everybody with me now? Not looking for version two. I'm just saying, the, en- <laughs> the enemy has always been at work to keep people out of the full experience and expression of God's love and joy. He has. And thank God for what we do have. Because if we'll use it, and, and we'll, we'll treat it as a, as a recipe for a, 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 of success, then we can enter in and experience for ourselves. But that's always got to be our goal. I, I've got to get this for me. Huh? Well, so that sounds kind of selfish. I, I'm most helpful to you if I get it for me. You're most helpful to the world, to your spouse, to friends, to wherever, you're, wherever you are in your, in your position at work. You're most helpful. You're the greatest blessing if you have a real genuine connection and tangibility of God's presence in your life. Now, some of the people that you might think have a reason to gripe would have a reason to be dissatisfied. Uh, we find in Scripture that they... they Express just the opposite. One of those individuals is Paul. Of course, Paul was a bad dude, persecuting Christians. Then got saved, gloriously saved. And then he gave his life. He went all in and preached the gospel the rest of his days and stood strong for the Lord and was only desirous to help people and, and, and get the message out and bring healing to the sick. And, and he did all these things, but he wasn't, all, he wasn't always appreciated for it, was he? In fact, he was persecuted tremendously, severely. And he was, uh, in Acts chapter 26, of course, he was under, he was in custody. He was in the courts, and he was uh, presenting his case before King Agrippa. It's interesting, the first thing he said here, Acts 26 and verse 2. He said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things for which I am accused by the Jews. Now think about Paul's language there. He said, I I, I want to let you know something. First of all, I'm I'm, I'm a happy person. (laughs) I think myself, we don't don't talk that way, I think myself happy. (laughs) He said, but I am, I am actually a very happy person. I'm glad to be here before you today. Uh, I, I'm happy. Why would Paul be happy? He should be ticked off. I can't believe i got to stand before you here today just for preaching Jesus. <laughs> but he was a happy guy. Listen, if Paul, he'd been stoned, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd gone, you, you've read the stuff. He, he'd gone through a tremendous amount of junk. And you know what he came out of the other end of that stuff with? A smile. He's happy. He's, a, he, he, he's got the victory, the joy of the Lord. Why should we be happy? 
I mean, if we really just boil this down and look at it, uh, a good, is there any, are there any good reasons for us to be happy? How about this? Number one, we are forgiven of all of our sins. Yeah. Say, well, I'm not really that happy about that. Then you don't realize the, the magnitude of that. I mean, your sin separated you from God, separated you from joy and pleasure himself forever. But now we are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are washed. The past has been washed away. The more we have understanding and revelation of this, there's the smile. Come on now. Huh? No matter what you, what you deal with in life, can you remember this? Come out of it and look up, pull your head up and go, oh, but I'm forgiven. I'm washed clean. I am right with God. My sins have been forever washed away, and I stand holy and righteous and, and, and clean before the Father today. Amen. Why should we be happy? Well, we should be happy because we have faith. We have faith. Well, what, what, what does that mean? What, is, what does it mean to have? That means you have a belief in God's Word. You believe what he said. You believe words like the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. You believe that things are getting better, even though in the world they may be falling apart and getting worse. But I'm not of the world, and I'm living in a bubble. (laughs) I'm living with the grace of God around me. People don't understand it, but there he is. I don't know about you, but I've always enjoyed a good storm. I'm talking natural, natural storm. I like a good storm. Here's when I like it. When I'm in the house, looking out the window, or even in the car, I really like it. When I can, I can, be, if I can be dressed in nice clothes, you know, I can, you know, be together, and it's, the wind is just flying. Everything's blowing around, rain's coming, I'm just cruising right through it, it's not even touching me. I don't know, I've always enjoyed that. I think this is cool. Especially if when you end up, you get to go in a garage. (laughs) I like a good storm sitting in the house looking out the window. Watching the rain fall and the wind blow, or even a snowstorm for that matter. You know, I don't like cold, but... I've got a heater, hallelujah, <laughs> and a fire. <laughs> I, like, I like this. That's kind of what we, we can experience in life. We're, it's a very rough world, a lot of junk going on. But in the middle of it, I'm in the bubble of God's favor, of His glory, of His protection. Why am I happy? I believe. Belief always has joy connected to it, if you believe God. You believe the world, and it doesn't. If you believe negative stuff, it doesn't. But when I believe God, everything's going to be fine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. And this is how we need to respond to situations and circumstances that are sometimes, naturally speaking, out of our control. What do we say? I believe God. Hope is, hope is a confident expectation of a favorable outcome. When I say I have hope in God, that means I have an expectation things are turning around. Everything's going to work out fine. Things are going to get better and better. Here's why I can be happy. Not only forgiveness and faith, but future. Future. I'm happy because of the future. You know, even if you, even if you were to fail, 
in every way possible in this life. Even if you were to, uh, you know, make the wrong decisions and, you know, just whatever, lose every battle. How many know, big picture, we've all got a future. I mean, even if we didn't do well, even if we didn't get it all, even if we didn't see it all and experience victory on every level, we've got a future. And I tell you what, the devil's going to be, he's going to have this big chain wrapped around him, thrown into, thrown into a pit for a thousand years. <laughs> I, I tell you, we're going to be standing around the throne of God, enjoying his glory and pleasure, and, and it, it'll never end. I mean, no matter how bad you might ever, it might ever get, remember what's coming. Remember that this life is but for a moment. The, the, the things that we deal with are brief. They're temporary. See it from God's perspective. Any moment now, we're going to be looking back and saying, that was quick. Here we are. Come on now. Praise God. Even Paul referred to the things that he dealt with through persecution as light affliction. He said the light affliction is but for a moment, but it works in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Praise God. And so uh, th- this, these are the ways, ways that, that, that God works. Now, now consider this. Sometimes the, the way that the Lord will work in us and he'll speak to us, it will be in a corrective manner. And, 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 and if we'll receive correction, how many know at the moment that's not real fun? At the moment of receiving a, a word of correction or change or uh, you need to make this adjustment, that usually doesn't feel warm and fuzzy. But I tell you what, even in those situations, you know what the end result is? Is that so we will heed His voice and end up back in the joy and pleasure of God. The reason the Lord will do that for us at times, and He'll give us a word that'll, that'll be like, because we recognize, yeah, I've been going the wrong direction, is He wants us to continue in His joy. He wants us to continue in His love and in His, in his presence. And if He sees us making decisions or thinking wrong or, or acting in a way that runs contrary to His will, then He'll give us that word to keep us out of suffering the consequences of that poor, uh, that poor life choice. Amen. But when a, when a word comes, you know, Hebrews 12, 11 reads that, that now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful, nevertheless Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so even when the Lord is putting us uh, through a time of training, and don't get, me, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean the Lord's putting you through a t- trial and a test. That doesn't mean the Lord will never put on you more than you can handle. Because the Bible didn't say that. That's religion stick, sneaking in there and twisting those words around. <laughs> But I tell you, even when the Lord brings us a word of correction and He wants to get us back on track, it's so that we can continue in a fruitful place of His righteousness and joy and peace and pleasure. You know, you think about Adam and Eve. They, they were tempted, and yet at the same time, they had everything. I mean, they lived in absolute completion in every way. There was nothing lacking. There was no void in their life that they were trying to fill. And, uh, uh, but, but, th- but they were tempted in the middle of it. Uh, why is it that, that people often uh, focus on and look at the very thing that they can't have? See, that's a recipe for dissatisfaction. 
That's a recipe for discontent. When a person has, they're blessed with stuff, but they're always looking at what they can't have. You know, Adam and Eve were given the whole garden. I don't even know how big that thing was, but don't think of the little 10 by 10 in your yard. They had a garden. <laughs> I know. I mean, this had to have been acres and acres and or miles and miles. I don't know. But this, uh, this massive thing, and they had access to the whole thing. And the Lord told them, I want you to stay away from that. And how many know that's what they looked at? That's what, they, that's what they focused on. And that's what produced and allowed that temptation to come. That's what allowed them to all of a sudden feel like they're missing out on something. They're feeling uh, discontent with their life. And they had everything. See, the same thing, that, that works today when people start focusing on what they can't have instead of being thankful and glad with what they do have. First, of course, the presence and the joy of the Lord, but even what they have in life. It's like a person is going to, they're going to become dissatisfied in their marriage if they're always looking at someone else's wife, someone else's husband, or that fictional character on television. Right? And they're looking at that longing thing and, if only I had that, I would be happy. No, you're ruining yourself right there by even following that line of thinking. Okay? That's how the flesh works. That's how the enemy wants to move you away from a place of satisfied in the goodness of God that surrounds you everywhere. Start focusing on, start looking at, start longing for that thing that you can't have and you'll ruin what you do have. Got kind of quiet in here. But you can see this, this demonstrates that our contentment is not based upon, the, upon our environment. Again, Adam and Eve had everything. They had permission to eat every, from every tree except for one. But listen, you can have everything and still be unhappy. Therefore, now watch. You can also be lacking in some area and still be happy. You can literally have something that you would like to have, that you would want. And it's not bad. I'm not talking about someone else's spouse. <laughs> but something that you would like to have, but you just don't have it right now. It's just not in your life. And you say, I would enjoy that, but you don't have it. Do you know you can still be fully content? And you can com- be completely satisfied in the love of God, in His presence, in the middle of not having that, that thing? What we've got to do is we've got to cut the tie. We've got to disconnect our life and our satisfaction and our well-being from all the things of this world and all the things that man is, mankind is fighting after. Many Christians are always looking for something else, uh, even when it comes to spiritual stuff. I just need one more spiritual experience, then my life will be complete. I'm just waiting for the day when I see an angel, waiting for my heavenly visitation. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for Jesus to walk into my room. Because, uh, you know, we all know of, and s- some of you may have had these situations, we know of testimonies of the Lord appearing to people and heavenly visitation and, and angelic th- things and all that. If only I had that, then I'd be complete. Listen, if you have Jesus, He's all you need. There's nothing you can add to Him or take away from Him. He is the satisfier. People drive around with with bumper stickers and uh, happiness is, you know, fishing, (laughs) golfing, (laughs) happiness is, what? Oh, you guys are getting spiritual on me, giving me correct answers. (laughs) Uh, 
skiing or, or whatever, whatever people like to do. They say that's happiness. No, that might be enjoyable and nothing wrong with those things at all. Enjoy, have a good life. But I'm telling you, happiness is Jesus. Huh? He is the joy juice. <laughs> he is the satisfier of our soul. And if we, if we don't recognize that, it's not because He's not. If we're not experiencing that, it's not because He isn't that beyond our wildest dreams. It's just we haven't seen that yet. Or we're looking to these other things to fulfill us. There is an experience in God that will intoxicate you, that will fill your life and make you not even desire other things when, when, when comparing. He's just so much more and better. Look at John 14 with me. John, the 14th chapter, Jesus was talking over here about himself. Because listen, listen Jesus is the happy one. And, and happiness is, and joy and contentment is being connected to the happy one. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I not been with you? Or have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? In, in other words, uh, this is similar to Colossians where it says, in Him, in Jesus, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There is nothing that is absent in Jesus. He is everything and beyond you would ever want or ask or dream of. He is everything and beyond your very heart's desire. There, there is nothing in this life or in this world that could supersede or do better than Jesus. All right. Now, if I know that and I recognize the reality of who He is, then my desire is to know Him. It's to see Him clearly and accurately, and then to live with Him continually, always. What's the end result? I am one happy camper. Ooh. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It is Jesus. His, it is His presence. Amen. Praise God. Now, now listen, let, let, me, let, me, let me finish up with this today. Okay? This is what I might call the secret sauce. Because often people are looking. They're desirous. What do I need to do? Just give me the key. Just show me what I need to do to get this. I, I, I just need to find the door. I, I just need to, to know what I, what, I need to, what I need to do. What must I do? Is there a secret way to pray? You know, is, is there a secret formula uh, to where a person can experience the joy and pleasure of God in their life? Now, here's the thing. Here's the principle. If God is complete joy and pleasure, and we are connected to Him, if we are one spirit with Him, then we are one with joy and pleasure. All right. 
Here, here's what, what 1 Corinthians 6.17 reads. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay. What, what, I, want th- what I want you to see in this first, first ingredient here to this special recipe <laughs> is this. The belief that there's something else that we need to do or a secret way to pray or a hidden doorway that we need to go through or find, that in itself is prohibitive of our enjoying this union that the Lord says already exists. So the very fact that I am looking for and trying to getting it, trying to get it and striving hard so I can be connected and enter into his pleasure means I passed the door already. It means I bypassed what already is. And I need to back up and believe that I am one with joy. That I've been united with the very pleasure of God. That there is no hindrance. There is no separation. So I'm just trying to get a breakthrough. I realize the, the, that language can be used in a proper way at a certain time. But listen, you're in Him, you're already through. You've received Jesus, you're already in. You already have access to the refrigerator. You already have access to the safe. You already have access to the pantry, to the pool, to the, the billiard room. Uh, you're in the house. You're in the family. Amen. And so he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Now, why am I one with the Lord? How am I completely united with him already? Because when Jesus died on the cross, I died on the cross. What do you mean I? Well, specifically, that old, depressed, disconnected from God's self died. That discontent, frequently annoyed aggravated, mean, angry, dissatisfied, that person died. The one who was confused, the one who didn't know how to find his way, the the, the one who didn't know and, and enjoy God's life in every way, that guy died with Christ. That person who is looking for answers, that person who... Uh, who was trying to find that secret sauce. He died with Christ. It's difficult for a dead person to be worried about their bills. It's difficult for a dead person to be concerned about their health. Huh? Huh? Dead people aren't worrying about tomorrow, the cares of this world, the cares of this life. No. And this revelation 
This secret that's really not hidden from us any longer is one of the basic elements that, are, that all Christians should know. The enemy is trying to keep you out of this knowledge, keep you in a place of, I don't have, I still need God to do it, I'm still striving for it, I still need to arrive, I still need to get there, when actually the moment you said, Jesus, I receive you, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life, you are in completely and in His joy and in His pleasure. And when, when we have these thoughts and feelings of emotions that are run contrary to the promises and provision of God, what do we do? We remind ourselves, uh, man, I'm sure thankful that that guy died and I no longer have to deal with that. We start discounting those feelings. We start writing these things off as if they're not even real. As if the Word of God is true and those things are dead. Amen. Let me show you one more verse. Go to Romans chapter 6. No circumstance can dictate your emotional state. It'll try, especially if you think the old depressed dude, the one that's run around by circumstances and emotion, if you think that dude's still alive, then he'll dictate your feelings. That's why the, Rome, the uh, book of Romans says here, verse 6, or chapter 6, excuse me, Romans 6, verse 11, likewise you also reckon. How many know what reckon means? Anybody from the south? Paul was a southerner. Reckon or consider. Reckon yourselves, consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, now stop. Did Paul want them to reckon or consider something that wasn't true or something that was true? Was he telling them to just play a mind game to get this mind over matter kind of thing? And he said, if you'll just think this way, it'll alter reality. No, he was trying to get them to think, to consider in accordance with what was reality. That their old guy was dead. The sin nature was dead abolished in Christ. Amen. So here's the thing. We're alive. This is true whether we're living in that experience or not. The joy of the Lord fills us and surrounds us. His pleasure is, is, is here for us and with us and in us and before us every single day. Yeah. You ever find that little coffin lid starting to move on you? Well, let's see, it's the, de- it's the old dead guy trying to get out. It's that dude that was crucified with Christ, and he's trying to come back. Keep him in the coffin. Hmm. Keep him in the coffin. Because you and I are alive. So even the very worst external circumstance today has no power to quench this reality. I mean, it's fact. That guy's dead. We're alive in Him. That's fact. It's reality. What can happen to you that can undo that? Nothing. 
What circumstance is more powerful than that reality? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why are we fighting things that don't exist? I'm just trying to resist this. I'm trying to fight this. I'm trying to get rid of it. It's not real. It's not there. You say, yes, it is. I can feel it. I can see it. I can experience it. Here, here, here's the deal. I know some, some, some listen to me say things like that, and they think, well, you're just not understanding of where people are. Uh, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. I'm saying spiritual realities trump physical realities. I'm saying what, what's true in Christ is more real and more powerful and more effectual to influence us on an emotional, on a physical, on a spiritual level than anything that can happen around us. And if we will tap into eternal realities, we'll stop fighting against the air. We'll stop trying to defeat things that are already defeated. We'll, start, we'll stop, stop wrestling with things and realize they don't even exist. They're not truth. They're not reality. I am risen in Christ. I am a happy, satisfied, complete, competent. I am filled with His joy and His goodness and His pleasure. It surrounds me every day. If I get up and I don't feel that way, I immediately remind myself of what's true. I immediately remind myself of what's real. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is never going to speak up to you on the inside and bring to your remembrance and say, it's a bad day. You know, you ought to just close the blinds. You ought to just stay in bed because it's a bad, bad day. And everything is sad. He is never going to say that to you. He is always going to remind you of the very words of Jesus. He is always going to tell you of who you are and what you have in the victorious risen Christ. He is going to remind you of the way things really are. And then we're, stop, we're going to stop fighting. I need the secret. I need the answer. The answer is you're in Him. And everything you want and everything you desire is present tense here present in your life today. Amen. Just remember what's alive and what's dead. Stop giving tangibility to feelings associated with the dead guy. Life is good now. You and I, we live in his glorious presence today. Amen. Father, we're so thankful today. Oh, thankful for you. For the very presence and glory of you, of who you are. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you're working in us now. Thank you. Our eyes are opened. Our hearts are enlightened. Oh, thankful we are. Lord, remind everyone again. What's dead and what's alive? Who's dead? Who's alive? Thank you for your work on the inside of us. We live in the glory of this pleasure. We live and exist in you. We live in you. We move in you and have our being in you. Father, I thank you right now for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And it's present with us.
at all times. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your glory that's here, for your presence that fills the atmosphere, for your love, for your embrace, for the glory of God that fills up this place. Separated we are, sanctified by you, separated unto holiness and all that is true. We honor you, we bless you, we praise your name. Thank you for your wonderful work in this place. Glory to your name. We magnify you and glorify your name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, praise God. He's good. Amen.